Hey hotties, as the seasons change and fashions change, one thing always remains in style, having great skin. Thanks to LA Beautyologists, we can achieve that in the comfort of our own homes. The beautiful creator of the 60 second rule that has been featured in magazines like Cosmo has created a free guide for you to flourish. Her 20 do's and don'ts for 2020 is a guide to help you understand what products you should or should not use for your skin. You can get your free guide at labeautyologist.com. That's L-A-B-E-A-U-T-Y-O-L-O-G-I-S-T dot com. Also, you can follow her on Twitter or Instagram for additional skincare tips and education. She's also on YouTube at The Golden Rx. Make sure you subscribe. And keep in mind, you're not a hottie if you don't take care of your skin. Hey hotties, welcome to a new episode of the Hot Girl Book Club. For the month of April, we read It Ain't All Downhill From Here by Terry McMillan. I sound so country. (laughs) Anyway, this book was a true testament to the power of friendship and how having the right support can pull you from your darkest moments. This book introduced us to Loretha, who is the main character, and her feisty group of girlfriends her dysfunctional family, and the loss of her greatest love. We follow her after a tragedy occurs and see how she puts the pieces back together. So one of the themes in the book starting right off was death. And I came up with the um, idea for the intro to basically say how our tombstones would read. And I'll go first. (laughs) So my tombstone would read, here lies Ingrid Marseille, lover of wine and hood niggas, and I died by being too much for y'all hoes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so funny. (laughs) No, that was good. So here lies Tamika, lover of books and bookings, and I died in my sleep because the earth is ghetto and I want to Mm. go somewhere else. (laughs) Ghetto as hell, but I don't know if I want to go... Well, you know, maybe I would like, no, I don't want to die. I, I think I still got some living to do. Well, whenever it's time, I'm I'm ready to go to another realm. Earth is ghetto, it's stank, the people it terrible. Ghetto. I'm rest to go. <laughs> it is ghetto. The aliens probably looking at us like, girl, <laughs> get your shit together. Your tracks is showing. <laughs> right. Girl, your planet is dying. Ooh, that lace front is up front. We can definitely see <laughs> see it so uh how did you feel about this book it was definitely a little before my time Mm -hmm. as far as like the characters I didn't resonate a whole lot with them Mm -hmm. but I enjoyed them reaching that age going into um the senior citizen part of their lives and trying to make sure that they continue to live right I could agree with that. I felt like when I first started reading it, I was like, mm, okay, this is very old. But then you got to think about the author. She's, you know, within that same age age range, excuse me. So then I kind of was like, okay, you know, and then I kind of gave it a little bit of grace in moments where I was like, okay, this is really slow, 
But I'm like, okay, they're like in their 50s or 60s, you know, pushing into their 70s. So I wasn't really expecting a lot of excitement, but I could feel the same. Did you have anybody in the book that was your favorite character? My favorite character was definitely Corinthia. Um, because Corinthia stayed in shape. She was out here dating and having sex with these niggas. Um, and she <laughs> like her grandkids. Her grandkids got on her last fucking nerves. And I just, you know, she won't be bothering nobody's kids. <laughs> oh, so, she was cool. So I, I liked Corinthia. Okay. Okay. I, she was cool. I think I liked, I don't know why, but I favored the main character. Probably because Mm -hmm. it was, you know, first person. um, And we got to know her, like, on so many different aspects. So I think I kind of favored with her. But it was hard for me to choose a favorite character. I feel like everybody throughout the book just kind of got on my nerves at some point where I was like, okay, like, (laughs) enough is enough. But Lorenthia, she came out the gates getting on my nerves because she was very judgmental. Like, mm. right off break, like, ugh, why she doing that? Ugh, why she doing that? It's like, mind your damn business. Mm. But she she grew on me as the book went on. Okay. I could I could see that. She was real dry to me. I hated the whole part about not wanting to celebrate her birthday, not allowing her husband to um, treat her, you know, for her birthday. And then another thing that drove me crazy was the way that she was about her health. I was so, like, frustrated with her. To the point where I was like, you know, literally your husband died. So her husband, if you guys have not read the book, this is going to be some spoilers in here. But one of the opening events that kind of drives the book is that her husband dies and he dies from a heart attack, I believe. Mm -hmm. And they found him outside dead. So she didn't even know that he had any health problems and he didn't disclose it. He didn't let her know, you know, anything or whatever. And then she finds him dead on their anniversary or were they celebrating her birthday? Her birthday. Okay. So they went on a surprise birthday trip and he went back out to get something, some additional bags or something like that. And basically, you know, she found him dead later, which was really, really sad. But it really made me very disappointed that she did not take her health seriously. Right. Especially with you know, all the people that she was like taking care of and like that she cared about. It's like, you need to make sure that you're okay so you can be there for them because that's what you want to do. But you're going to be just like Carl in a minute if you don't take care of your health. Exactly. Oh, I was so frustrated with her when she was lying and, you know, um, just eating however she wanted to. I just, to me, that frustrated me because I feel like that's a big thing within the black community. We are so stuck on you know, this comfort food that we refuse to, you know, step away from the plate and really look at our health and take care of ourselves. She refused to exercise, which I'm like, come on. Right. Walking 20, 30 minutes a day was not going to kill her. Um, I think it's important that you instill those habits as young as you can, because mm -hmm. I think people just get so used to not doing that. Now, I'm a very skinny person. I literally can jump in the air and lose two pounds and I and I still work out I need which I don't I don't have look I don't have a pound to spare but I don't work out necessarily to like lose weight or anything like that but I need to work out because my body needs to move no matter how small it is my mm-hmm. heart needs to my heart rate needs to accelerate so my heart is healthy 
And I just don't understand how people continually every day do not have any type of exercise or even weekly. Like you just you just be sitting around. You just you just don't do nothing. You already eating like crap. At least walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, um, you know, becoming complacent and whatever. And then I think some people are just like, hey, it's bound to happen anyway. You know, I'm going to get old, you know, anyway. But I feel like there's a certain level of health that you can still carry, you know, throughout your life. And it's very important. For me, it's quality of life. Um, there's a lot of autoimmune diseases in my family, especially my mom. She has lupus. And mm-hmm. That is directly connected to the diet if you if you really research it. Um, the doctors ain't going to tell you that. But it's connected to what we eat. Mm-hmm. And I told her, I'm like, you could really improve your health if you changed your diet. And she was just like, no, I'll just deal with it. And I'm like, nigga, mm. what? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that's like, the thing, you know. Like, I don't know when I'm going to die, but I don't want to be in pain waking up every day. Yeah. And I don't like, want to accelerate it either. Like. It, Exactly. Like I'm not saying I don't have sweets ever, but I ain't eating. I ain't eating them every day. You know, it's in moderation. But for me, I'm I'm sorry. I got to. I want to feel like I'm I'm 30 every day for the rest of my life. Exactly. That's. I mean, that's the thing. Like I don't want to wake up 50 and feel 50. You know, I definitely right. want to look and feel because you know, black don't crack if you take care of it. If you take care of it, if you don't, then you shit out of luck. But if you actually take care of it, you know, we actually do, you know, kind of have that longevity that other races don't get to have. So I definitely want to take care of it. That was just, she was really pissing me off. Like, I could not get past that. Every time I was like, okay, girl, like, when is it going to click for you? Right. And the other thing I didn't like as far as the health thing, I didn't like the name of the doctor. I just felt like that was a poor choice for the for the book. No shade, Terry, upper, but upper Alex, exactly. We don't know what it is. Nobody <laughs> fucking pronounced like why? Why would you choose that? It kind of sounded like um, Olaplex, like the hair, <laughs> the <laughs> hair products. But it was like Apolexa or something. Yeah, it was a weird name. But I think right. maybe I think she kind of gave her that name to go with her hard um, exterior because when we first introduced to her character, her and Loretha didn't really see eye to eye and Loretha couldn't stand her. So I feel like that name just kind of fit the description that we were getting. Like she wasn't gentle. She just kind of, you know, how basically this whole, the truth in healthcare, how they treat black women or black people in general is kind of what was carried on through the book. And I think her name kind of tried to help that. I think. Right. Like she's obviously white, but I'm like, girl, there are a lot of white names. <laughs> that one? Really? That made her, made her seem like a monster. I don't, I don't know. That's the, what I would go with, but who knows? I mean, it might be something else behind that, but that's how I thought about it. I was like, mm. I, it really was a, a tough name. So was there anybody in the book that you did not like? Who was your least favorite character in the book? Sadie. Sadie. Oh. I hate a judgmental helper. I, I hate it. I hate a, a hypocritical yes, judgmental helper. You talking about going to church and you sleeping with the minister. Like, dog, what are you doing? Hmm. And she was dumb about it. You know, 
you would think that once you got to a certain age, the games would be gone. But the way she like, once he moved in and, oh, you know, his wife don't want to speak to him no more. No, she put that nigga out is what happened. Mm -hmm. And he didn't have nowhere else to go. So then he ends up at your place you know, whatever, living off of you. And he had no plans of leaving her, you know, whatever, for you. Like, you just so happen to be ready and available. So then, of course, you come over there to your place. That was and how are, you, how are you following a man that ain't even following the Bible? You letting that nigga teach you every week, and he ain't even following it. How are you following a man that ain't got his own money? <laughs> That too. He, he don't get even put have out. He didn't have setup. his own place. Yeah, exactly. Hello. Hello. He didn't even have his own setup. Basically, he had nowhere to go. Absolutely nowhere to go, and ended up on your couch. Like, yeah, she she made poor choices, and then ended up with a woman. You know, so it was like, okay, so you was doing you all of that, been, right? You should just live in your <laughs> truth. <laughs> exactly. Nobody was gonna judge, and that's one thing I did like about their group of friends. Well, never mind. I'll take that back. I was about to say nobody ju- was judging, but they was some up Lucky. <laughs> yeah. All I feel like all of them was real quick to be like, mm, like turning their nose up. Everybody in the book pretty much um, kind of carried that same mentality. The sister. I appreciate it. I appreciate some stuff is, if it's going to be in a safe space and it's in mm-hmm. my face. More so mm-hmm. like if somebody... Here's about me sleeping with a minister and all this and that. And, and they say to my face in a safe space, like, girl, what the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, versus them getting together and like, <laughs> you know, she's sleeping with that minister. I'd prefer it in my face because that way we're going to mm-hmm. talk through it, you know, right. versus it being behind my back. I agree with that. You know, one thing when you say, you know, she's sleeping with that minister, I hated this about Loretha. She could not hold water. Somebody would be like, somebody would tell all they goddamn business. I mean, telling it from the rooter to the tutor. And they would be like, you know, leaving off the conversation like, you know, don't tell anybody. And she'd be like, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody. As soon as she got off that phone or as soon as she ended that conversation, she either pulled up on somebody to tell the tea or she called somebody to tell the tea like she literally there were no secrets if you tell her anything all the friends knew within a matter of minutes i feel like (laughs) my sister is like that so i'm like literally Mm -hmm. if i don't if i want to tell her something but i don't want the rest of the family to know i'll just wait till it travels and then she's like why you didn't tell me about this oh let me tell you now (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) but i have a friend group where it's mm -hmm. like you really specifically have to like state like please don't tell anyone mm. um or it's it's gonna spread like yeah. and if it's something major where folks need to check up on you you can just that is spreading as it should because it's well, for that's, you yeah know, that's you know yeah. i feel like that should occur but i recently i don't i don't feel like i have that because i don't really tell a lot of people the personal details i have like one good friend that i pretty much tell her everything it don't matter how I look in the situation or whatever. I could come out looking crazy as hell, but I just know she's not judgmental. She might make a few jokes or whatever, but that's going to be it. But like um, recently I had this thing going on, you know, and I shared it with a friend and I was like, hey, by the way, do not share it with our other friend because she slipped up one day 
and let me know that she had told, you know, my other friend, um, some of my relationship business. And I'm like, girl, like <laughs> when I be dating these niggas, I like to do that shit in private. Okay. This shit might not work. Okay. <laughs> Even if I might be like head over heels, like I feel like I'm in love and that's what it was like years ago. And, you know, she was like, Oh girl, you know, I told her, you know, you don't find your husband. I don't have no ring on this finger right now. Right. <laughs> that was something I didn't want to be shared, you know, whatever. Um, so recently when I had some stuff going on, I was like, hey, by the way, I'm not upset. Like, I don't care that you did it, you know, before, but don't do it right now. Like, I'm not ready for people to know, you know, this mm-hmm. particular business. But yeah, of course, like something where, um, you know, if it's a health, you know, issue or some maybe somebody's passed away or something that is very, very serious, then I, w- I wouldn't mind, you know, that being spread. Because I don't always like to share that stuff either. I don't feel like it's easy for me to. So, you know, if somebody else does the work for me, then, hey, great. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. But. Yeah, I definitely, I had a situation several years ago, and I think I told one friend. Mm-hmm. And the other hand, other friend hit me up, like, I ain't even supposed to know, but I want to let you know I'm praying for you. We ain't got to discuss nothing. But mm-hmm. if you need me, call me. And right. I appreciate that to the fullest. That's, I mean, to me, that's perfect. That gives you, you know, the space if you want to, you know, talk about it. And then I also let you know that there are people that care and they don't have to know. I think it's very big when you know that people care and they don't care to know the details. That mm-hmm. means so much more than somebody that got to get every drop. They need to know what happened when it happened versus, you know, hey, this person is hurting or this person is going through this thing, you know, whatever that might be hard for them. So, yeah, that's that's big for me. Mm. So it was your oh, I didn't tell my least favorite. Um, You know, I had a hard time deciding who I did not like the most. Because I felt like a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of them had a lot of things going on. And at first, my first, the first person that comes to mind is Peggy, which is the sister-in-law from the prior marriage. Yes, because I did not like the way that she carried herself. Now, what I will say is I appreciate how she held her daughter down, how she held Jaleesa down or whatever. But... I feel like that could have been handled completely different. You know, mm-hmm. the whole asking for money, demanding money, first of all, demanding money. And it seemed like it was demanding money in exchange for information about the well-being of her child, which right. was absolutely not fair. And just the way like she carried herself, she felt to me, she carried herself like she was very um, entitled, you know, to the money entitled to being in Loretta's life. Um, especially like when she showed up at the funeral, like to me, but I guess, you know, the funeral, she came with Jaleesa was, which we didn't know, like Jaleesa was living with her or whatever. So that's how I'm thinking they both ended up, you know, coming, they came together. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Miss Peggy for me was, I would say of the, my least favorable people, I'm not going to say, um, I'll probably say her. I don't know. I'm having a hard time because I'm trying to think about what other people were doing in the book, too. But Peggy, Peggy takes the cake. Between her and yeah. Odessa. And, <laughs> um, yeah, Peggy between her and Odessa. Trash, hmm? Peggy was hot trash. Yeah, but then I started to feel bad for her when she started to tell her side of the story and explain, you know, the issues with her brother 
and stuff like that. I started to feel a little bit of, you know, empathy and stuff for her and for the situation. But the way she handled the situation with the daughter was a lot to me. Because I feel like even if they didn't have a good relationship, that's her mom, you know, and that's her daughter. So I feel like I would have been, you know, forthcoming with the information um, from the jump. I just feel like she was hiding a lot, you know, trying to use, you know, the fact that she was taking care of her or she knew about her whereabouts and stuff like that and using it for leverage, you know, to kind of hold it against her. Yeah, she rubbed me the wrong way when she showed up to that funeral. I'm big on, you know, there's a time and a place for stuff. I'm already grieving my husband. Why are you coming with this mess? Exactly. And and then I felt like Loretha was an enabler because you're not going to call me and talk crazy. I don't give a fuck what information you got. You know, (laughs) call me and talk crazy and ask me for my coins. Because I don't care. I don't care if you don't eat tomorrow. If my daughter need to eat, she can call me. I agree with that. If she don't call me, she don't want to eat. (laughs) Uh but you're not about to talk crazy to me and then ask Mm -hmm. me for for some money that you will be out on a corner doing tap dances for coins messing with me um but i i do like how she she fixed it at the end but laritha was better than me because absolutely not she was and you know that saying where they say if a black person tell you that you better than them. They calling your ass stupid. <laughs> because I felt that. I felt like Loretta was a... And now I'm going to regret saying she's my favorite character. Because we do not share this simil- these characteristics at all. She was a pushover. She literally... I love that she was selfish and she was willing to give. But for the fact that Peggy came to her, like, basically demanding and cursing and being real, you know, crazy about asking for money and asking for help. And she just kept giving her money. She did not care. She would run over to the Western Union, give her $500 here, give her this amount there. And I'm like, no, you know? Absolutely absolutely not. But you know, I wonder if... Go ahead. Oh, oh, I was going to say, I didn't... The dynamic between them felt kind of like they were fighting over Jaleesha's love. And I, I did not like that. It felt like a power trip. Like, let me tell you, I know where my daughter is, even though I don't. So it makes it look like I have something over you. Right. I could, you know, I could see that. And I, I will agree with that. I definitely feel like that because when Jaleesa did show up to the house and Peggy called, you know, Loretta then flipped the script and was acting like Peggy you know, whatever, like, oh, you know, um, I did she tell her she was there? I can't remember if she even told her that she showed up. I can't remember. Or even when she left and she went to the rehab facility, to me, it was kind of like, you know, they were playing chess and Loretta was like, oh, I got the upper hand now because I know, you know, a little bit more about the situation instead of treating her like a family, you know, family member. That was her aunt. You know, Peggy was her aunt. So I, you know, I didn't think about it that way until you just said it, but definitely I didn't like that whole little, basically they were playing tug of war with her. Right. You know, and the girls really needed help. I read something after my last relationship breakup and it said how um, a lot of pain in our life comes from have wanting to have ownership over things like you want to own or you feel like the ending you have to be able to to predict you have to have this person in your life and I felt like a lot of her pain from her daughter's 
situation was brought on because she wanted to have control or she wanted to have ownership of the situation instead of just letting it be. And it was magnified between her and and Peggy. Because for me, I'd been like, okay, that's where she's at. Call me if you have any new information. No, you're not getting no money from me. If my daughter (laughs) needs some money, she can call. As she did when she did need her mom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not going back and forth with Peggy. Peggy would have never been able to have that leverage over her if she'd have just let things be. Mm. Mm. Girl, you said a word. And you know what? I'm going to take that because I think I can apply that to a situation I'm going through right now. And the whole idea of controlling the situation, trying to control the situation, trying to control the outcomes, um, and trying to set unrealistic expectations and the whole thing about ownership, you know, um, yeah. Hmm, you said something. Look at you. That's where the pain the pain comes from <laughs> when well I, I didn't think of it. I got it from some somebody else, but the pain comes from you when those things don't work out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you drop so the bread comes. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, definitely I can agree with that. Um most definitely I can I take that. I'll take that with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I try every time something bothers me, I try to think of that. Like, why am I upset? Why does this bother me? Why am I so enraged about it? And it's like, oh, because you wanted it to go that way. That's not your journey. And leave and no, leave it at that. No. Easier said than done. But. Exactly. Because I'm up here <laughs> turning up my face, rolling my eyes and, you know, doing my neck like uh, <laughs> what they said. Beyonce was doing her neck in dream girls and it, <laughs> her head was just floating. <laughs> And that's what I'm thinking about. But, I, you know, I can agree with that. I feel like that is a lot of where hurt, you know, and pain and disappointment and stuff comes from. So, okay. Well, look at Tamika. <laughs> <laughs> Giving us little nuggets along the way. <laughs> oh, my Yala. Hmm? Oh, my Aunt Yala. How do you say her name? What up, girl? <laughs> you better get it right because she don't play about it. Well, she was telling Athena or whatever her name is. Oh, that girl could not get her name right to save her life. <laughs> Trying to teach her how to say her name. Like, that was a hot ass mess. Like, just let it go at that point. But she was real persistent. But I mean, I guess I feel her because I hate when people put an S on the end of my name. Shit drives me crazy. Mm-mm-mm. So I discussed earlier in regards to her husband dying. And death seemed to be a theme that continuously came up in the book. If you have read the book, um, you know, we've already disclosed that her husband died. And there are some other people that, um, you know, die in the book as well. Um, We'll probably get into that a little bit later. And then because they're at this age where death is all around them. So they're losing people, you know, friends, family. And then also they're coming to the realization that, hey, we're not getting younger anymore. We're very close, you know, very much close to death as well. So how did you feel about death? Because I feel like that's something that, well, how did you feel about it the way they discussed it in the book? So I feel like that's something that we do not talk about at all. Um. I grew up with a lot of death around me. Uh, my sister was fascinated by Jeff. Um, she's actually still 
uh, wants to be a mortician and work in the funeral industry. Mm. My childhood best friend is actually a mortician and oh, cool. works for like the coroner's office, wants mm-hmm. to run for um, county coroner one day or state coroner. Mm. So I became comfortable through death through them and also just seeing a lot of people die in my family growing up and to be honest I haven't seen a whole bunch of old people die I've seen people in their 50s and and 60s die in their 40s and their 30s and it just comes out of a left field so with me with me being a a mother as well, you always, and a single mother at that, I've always had to think about, okay, I'm on my way to work. I could possibly yeah. not make it back home. Or mm-hmm. think of the Kobe situation, which still struggling with that. Um, but you just don't know when, it, when it's going to hit you. So I like the fact that it was a theme, a theme mm-hmm. in the book. Like a constant reminder that this isn't permanent. Right. Do you find yourself having conversations or have you had, you know, conversations about death and what what should happen or what the steps should be if you were to die, like with your family, with friends, with your daughter? Because, you know, it's you two, you know, together right now. So is that a conversation that you've had or you thought of having? Yeah, so I have my my whole estate done. And if you have any type of, I know you can get legal plan subscriptions through your job. Mm-hmm. If you have that option, definitely sign up for it. And once the, once the quarantine is over, set up an appointment with the lawyer and get your estate done. I had mine done because, and not a will, getting a, a, a trust. Um, I had mine done because... I don't talk to my family like that. And I'm damn sure not going to leave my daughter to them. So I had to have things in place that, and at that time I was a homeowner. So I had to figure out what would happen to the house. If if my, I'm leaving behind my uh, money for my daughter, I need to make sure that she doesn't Kardashian my money. So I had to (laughs) (laughs) have, have things in place. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also when you're filling out your trust, they make you decide what happens when, like, who's going to be your health care power of attorney if you're incapacitated and somebody needs to make decisions for you. Mm, so okay. I have two friends set up for that. I also, there's also a page, which I haven't filled out yet. It's like, what what is your burial plans? But I haven't decided on that. Mm. I honestly don't give a shit because I ain't going to be here. Um, <laughs> and I, oh, what else did I do? Oh, you have to decide. You know, if you if you want to be resuscitated mm-hmm. or what's going to happen if you're in a coma. And that was something I really had to sit down and think about. And then mm-hmm. like Bobby Christina happened, I think, shortly or around the time that I was doing this. And I was like, y'all is not going to have me on tubes for a year if you Cut that shit off like after three days. <laughs> really? I was thinking a year was a, a decent time. No, nah, let me go. No? All the medical bills ain't gonna be no more money left. <laughs> I mean, that is look, that is true. Um, that is wow. Okay, yeah, that's true. I was thinking a year was good and a year was gonna be okay, but now that you say it that way, I mean, shit, that is true. 
<laughs> There's a documentary on HBO. I forgot. Is it called Coma or something? You know, HBO got good documentaries, but it's about three cases where folks are in comas. Mm-hmm. And I was just watching it like, oh, hell no. Like, niggas just looking at you. They don't know who they are. Y'all, nope. Ain't nobody gonna have me out here like this. I would think that. Because you never know. (laughs) Miracles could happen. So what if you be like, all right, uh, pull it on the 19th. And God might have been like, well, shit, on the 23rd, I was going to wake your ass up. Like, Well, he should have made that decision before for me. (laughs) (laughs) Come get me, Jesus. The earth is ghetto. (laughs) (laughs) You know, maybe if not a year, maybe six months. But I think that's great. I think that's really progressive because I was talking to one of my really good friends um, Mm -hmm. the other day and we weren't even talking about the book. I can't remember how we started discussing death and we started talking about, you know, who's going to come to the house, you know, to get rid of your journals. Who's going to come to, you know, get rid of your sex toys, like all of these things that you do not want your family (laughs) to find. And I told her, I said, look, I was like, I trust you. I know you're not going to be looking through my stuff. I said, I trust you to come get my journals and burn them. You know, whatever. (laughs) I mean, I pretty much heard everything anyway. So if I wrote something in there, she already probably know it. Come get those, girl. Come burn those up. And come get, you know, my little collection. I don't have a lot, but I got enough. (laughs) I don't want my mama or nobody else, you know, to find it. God, God forbid I go before my mom. But um, yeah, girl, come get this shit. And then, you know, I had a conversation um, with another friend and I was watching or no, no, no. Actually, my mom had me looking for something for her and she basically keeps a box full of like um, very important documents. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I need to set up something like this, you know, whatever. I have things like I have like my... um. You know, my life insurance stuff, I had that, but I have stuff everywhere. So I need to, and this is probably the perfect time to do it, condense those things and kind of put them in one area that if something was to happen now, somebody would be able to go into my room, locate that, you know, box or whatever that might be and be able to get all the information versus having to go through everything of mine um, to find it. So I'm not as advanced or where you are in your stage, but I do have like little things, you know, in place. But I guess one day I would really need to sit down and kind of map out every little detail. Um, I know what pushed me is because I'm a mom. So yeah, that's what pushed me. Yeah. But I don't I don't think I would have would have been here now if I if I was not a mom so you know have some grace with yourself but one thing I did do was or a lot of things are now coming up into these documents is like your tech assets so mm-hmm. your Facebook password your bank mm-hmm. account passwords and stuff mm-hmm. like that that needs to be in a safe space I have not figured out what I'm going to do with that but as far as documents if you have a digital version create a dry folder give somebody access to it because mm-hmm. that could burn. Like we don't know when, how we're going out or that could yeah. win water or anything like that. So I created a document, added my daughter. I'm like, these are, this is where all the money is. <laughs> and then when you're filling, people put beneficiaries on their life insurance. Mm-hmm. They don't put it on their bank accounts. There's a section mm-hmm. for that. If you look into, there's a section for that as well. Okay. And that the big thing about that is that it can't be argued in court. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
if you already say that's going, they, they can't say nothing. That's why it's important to have a trust versus a will. You can argue a will down in court. You cannot argue a trust because you actually have to submit the documents to the court. So as you're going through that, mm-hmm. um, make sure that you have everything in place so your family members don't don't argue about it later. Mm, okay that's something to um because i put my mama <laughs> as my beneficiary but i probably should adjust it um just because i do have other siblings um you know and i'm hoping that i do not go before my mom i keep saying that um so yeah i probably need to make some changes and then do the the bank stuff and then sit down and see what else you know It'd be yep. like and then you marry somebody rich and, you know, just, you know, inherit all of that. And then I just, you know. <laughs> yeah, if y'all got like somebody old at the nursing <laughs> home who like young women, let us know. Email us at hotgirlbookclub at gmail.com. Send us a picture, short bio. You know, we want to help during this time. <laughs> we got two flavors, cinnamon and uh, chocolate. I don't know if you would consider yourself cinnamon, but... <laughs> Y'all gonna let me be chocolate. I'm chocolate. I'm chocolate, too. <laughs> People always Maybe tell me, I'm like... Okay, milk chocolate and dark chocolate, okay? I, I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> well, yeah, have you, have you, outside of, like, the discussion with your friend, like, how did... How did you feel about, like, the theme of, of death? Mm, it didn't bother me. But also, I have not had that conversation openly with um, anybody. Honestly, when it came up between me and my friend and me and my other friend, those were just random. Like, I've never sat out of time to be like, okay, let me discuss, you know, with you what I would like you to do, um, you know, whatever. Definitely have not had a discussion with family. I mean, I, I think I have joked and said that I would like to be cremated a million times, um, but that is a uh, God to honest, like truth. I would like to be cremated and dumped somewhere in Jamaica, somewhere tropical with some water. You know, I love big bodies of water. So, you know, that's what I would like to do. I know black people, we like to see a body in a casket, but honestly, I feel like that's a waste of money. Mm-hmm. I would love for y'all to take that money, burn me up take that money and dump me somewhere beautiful, you know, whatever. Um, But outside of that, I really haven't discussed it. I did like it. It didn't really bother me. Now, one thing that I will say is her mom, like the way her mom, you know, just kept saying, you know, I could go any moment or whatever. I don't think I would want to hear that, you know, from my mother, even though, you know, hey, you know, that's she was pretty close anyway. <laughs> I feel like once you go into a home, you know, that's pretty much your final destination. You pretty much, you know, about to, you know, get off the plane anyway. So, mm-hmm. Her mama mm-hmm. was on borrowed time. Her mama, yeah, basically, that's how I felt. And I feel like once you make that transition, you know, to a home, that's when you start just kind of, um, you know, preparing yourself mentally for that. But it didn't really bother me that much, maybe because of their ages. So I feel like maybe if it was around our age, where you're talking about early, you know, mid-30s, maybe I might have been like, okay, this is a little weird, you know, whatever. But I feel like around the 60s and 70s, that's kind of what is expected. You know, death is around the corner, even though 60 is not even that old. But Mm -hmm. I think we're a lot more comfortable with older people dying than we are younger people. And that's just my, my take on it. So it was okay for me. 
because of the age group. And I don't feel like I fear death. I feel like I don't necessarily cope with it properly. So that, that scares me. But as far as like people actually dying, I'm not scared of that. It's the mm, problem, okay. actually processing it mentally because I feel like I don't do that. Yeah, I'm with you. I haven't I haven't figured that out. My goal is to be like Nipsey's mama. Yes, yes, yes. I'm letting y'all know right now. I ain't there. <laughs> so if something happened to my baby, I'm at the funeral calm. I did it. So y'all can to arrest <laughs> me. Because if I'm not laid out on that ground, we it was that out. <laughs> We're taking that out of the recording. <laughs> We're not really. Because <laughs> the way she held herself together, I'm like, whoo, that is some strength. I'm not an accomplice. But you know what? I watched Kingdom Come last night. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, the way when you just said the way she held it together, that just reminded me of Whoopi's character. Like she was not phased by her husband dying, but she also did not love her husband like that because he was mean, you know, whatever. But um, yeah, I think she did pretty well. Now I felt like at some moments she was not gonna make it. I felt like some moments she was getting real deep into depression. And I was like, my girl is not going to make it. Right. But yeah, she, she held it together. Yeah. I did like it though. tough. Yeah, it is. And then, um, especially like, and I feel like, well, I don't want to say within the black community, but I feel like it's tough on the unprepared. I'll say that because with the state of everything that's going on, you know, a lot of people are, and I feel like every time I get on Facebook, You know, even if it's not related to COVID, people are dying at like a rapid rate. I don't know if I've never really paid attention to it before, but I feel like I log in Facebook every day. But for some reason, like these past few weeks, it's just every day, at least I see two people on my timeline saying that they have lost someone. But what I also see is people turning around and doing fundraisers because they do not have any money Mm -hmm. to pretty much support either you know burying the individual or whatever the case may be or closing up you know their legal things that they have left behind like homes you know children and stuff like that and that's really scary so I feel like death is scary for the unprepared and I never want to be if anybody know me I'm, I'm never I'm always very calculated I do not like to be unprepared so I feel like that's one of the things that I need to buckle down on even though I'm only what 31 I mean, if you got life insurance, that's the bulk of it. If we ain't got to sell no dinners or have no cup at the gas station for you, that is like 75% of the battle. No, Uh, I at least had that. Like, (laughs) right. At least had that. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, good luck, y'all. If y'all ain't got this stuff, get it. Because people people are dying that have never died before. So, (laughs) I think that's usually how it goes. (laughs) <laughs> unless you like you know well i ain't gonna say that <laughs> that was that was in the words of donald of donald trump if you <laughs> oh i heard him no, say I that mess that. <laughs> He's so i funny. usually don't but somebody was like this man got on tv and said that people are dying that have never died before and they were like you know nigga what and instead of instead of it being you know the obvious choice you know unfortunately you know it's other people but <laughs> yeah, at least at least do you know some of the things that we discuss, if not everything, because I feel like it can also be overwhelming, you know. Um, and I feel like it's time to maybe start having those conversations 
because we're not here for forever. And unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people are not comfortable discussing death, but you just really, really, really never know. Like, never know what could happen. Right. People die young, people die old, people die in between. So, yeah, I feel like that's definitely something to discuss, especially with friends. I feel like it's easier to discuss it with friends than it is with family. But then also, you know, family can be a little. I feel like family show their ass when people die. <laughs> like They do. And they like the, just, the smallest things make mm-hmm. them fight. And I was like, my daughter is not going to be fighting over anything. Especially Absolutely not. Family. Y'all ain't getting shit. <laughs> I did leave some for my, my nieces and my nephew, but mm-hmm. other than that, ain't nobody else getting nothing. If you ain't figured it out, you ain't about to figure it out with my money. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Mm-hmm. And I'm charging admission to my funeral. That's going to be a VIP section. No. <laughs> Where are the proceeds going to? Where are the ticket sales going to? To my To my baby. <laughs> I don't even want a funeral. What I do love in this book is they had a celebration of life. Yes. For I love that. I feel like that's what I want. I feel like celebrate me. I mean, whether I might have been, you know, loving and caring to you, maybe I was a bitch to you, you know, whatever the case may be, celebrate me. You know, celebrate mm-hmm. the moments and the memories. I do not want nobody hooting and hollering. And tearing no church down. I want y'all to go to the club and <laughs> celebrate yep. me. Like, Have a party. Look, anybody who knows me know I love to eat, I love to dance, and I love to drink. Celebrate me through those three things. Don't be mm-hmm. crying. I mean, you cry a little bit, you know, whatever. I'm dramatic. Cry I, at home. Cry in the I car. Like the <laughs> <laughs> I like the theatrics. Cry for me just a little bit, you know. But, yeah, I do no, and I think play drop it low for Jesus at my funeral. Yeah, yeah. she was like, I want to do a dance. <laughs> that lady at the funeral in the white suit, she's like, I want to dance for her. I think it was her man. She said she wanted to dance for her man, uh, and they was like, the family don't want that. <laughs> that's so my God. I laugh. That, look, that is the kind of carrying on that I want y'all to do. <laughs> my thing, okay? Don't be fighting each other. You know, whatever, over no bull. Y'all need to go out. Y'all need to have fun. And y'all need to act like I'm there, you know, in the midst of. Because I feel like, you know, I feel like it should be a celebration of, you know, moving on to, I guess, a better life. Even though that's kind of, you know, cliche or whatever. But I'm telling you, Earth is ghetto. There is something better for us. I'm I'm like, God damn. You know, it's 2020 going to get bright. I mean... Because we just getting darker and darker by, as the days are going. It's like it's summertime. Well, it's almost summertime. And we in the house. We stuck in the house. Won't be no high girl can summer. Start. Hmm? Jesus can start the rapture July 1st if we not outside. Wait, let me. <laughs> let, let me get some uh, some dick first. And then, <laughs> some old first. And then he can come on with it. But I need to, I need to do a few things in the world. Before he decided that he wanted to, you know, come on and take us, you know, whatever. Like, That's hilarious. Imagine <laughs> a night of fornicating before the rapture happened. <laughs> and repenting, okay? So, look, enough time to do the sin and then, you know, repent about it because, you know, he always forgives. And then come on with me so my name be in the good book, okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not in a rush. But also, I feel like, goddamn, I mean, my birthday is in August. 
And I would like to get a little bit of a little bit of ratchetry, you know, somewhere. Maybe we could kind of put like an elbow outside, you know, a little bit of thigh meat, you know, whatever. <laughs> and not have to worry about the Rona, you know, coming to get us. But as far as everything else, I just don't. I don't know. I lost all hope and faith in 2020. Maybe it'll turn, you know, on the other side of the uh, other side of the timeline. It'll kind of, you know, pick back up. Mm-hmm. Or 2021 will be a movie, you know. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, it's something to look forward to. <laughs> oh, mm-mm. So speaking of uh, the funeral and everything that happened, um. I feel like when death happens, there are a lot of secrets that come out as well within families. A lot of things that are like grown folks table conversations that end up coming out. And in this book, one of the things that occurred was Miss Loretta got a surprise from a young strapping gentleman that looks like her husband that stated that he was his son. So how would you have managed that? I would have did the same thing she did. So um, full disclosure, I am a secret baby. Mm-hmm. Um, I met like siblings at my daddy's funeral. My stepmama knew about me, but I didn't meet her until I was 12. Okay. Um, and then there are more kids. Like I just recently met a brother who nobody told me about they didn't put him in the obituary but he told me he was like yeah she called me when he died but he was like I wasn't coming because I didn't know him like that and I'm like hold on ain't nobody tell me nothing so I'm aware there's probably more siblings that I don't know about that they just Mm want to keep a secret um because of the family image which I I mean yes no because that's not (laughs) respect to me it's not like tell me who the fuck my siblings are I feel like that shit is foul as fuck like I'm like really really pissed about finding out about a sibling like 10 years 10 plus years later and the fact that they had known but didn't share that information to me is just like crazy so I would have I guess I'm sensitive to it because um I'm in that situation and and I yeah I definitely would have would have you know definitely invited him in but I I come from a my mom's family is like that where you know or even my stepdad's family where, you know, if you were family, we invited you in, we came to visit you, we didn't discriminate. Mm-hmm. Like what, and I'm the same way with family or even distant friends. If I pop up in your city, I check up on you, you know, you can always call me, let me know how you're doing. I'll do the same, you know, checking up on folks. Right. Um, so I, I would have done the same thing that she did. It, it, it didn't bother me. And then she knew that it was before her. So it was like, I'm not tripping. Yeah, I think that comes with being mature because she was very mature in a lot of situations where I feel like she could have like really, you know, went off mm-hmm. and it was either along the lines of her either being mature or being a little bit of a pushover. But um, I do feel like in a way it was kind of like her holding on to a small piece of her husband. Mm-hmm. You know, because he had left and then she was left in the home, you know, by herself with the dog. So it was just kind of like, you know, she had someone else. I feel like she filled the void of loneliness with taking care of other people. So that was another opportunity for her to take care of someone who needed her. 
you know, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would have taken him in as easily as she did because I think it was either Lucky or Sadie, you know, um, brought up some questions to her. Was it? Or her mom. I can't remember who it was. I think it was one of her friends. Basically, like, you know, did you get a DNA test? You know, did you, you know, do these checks to make sure he is who he, you know, says he is? And I feel like I probably would have did some of that. I probably still would have been welcoming, but maybe not have welcomed him um, directly into my home without doing some of that, doing some of that research. Because I feel like the way her and her husband were, I feel like he would have told her about this child. I feel like they were pretty close. They really didn't have, you know, any secrets. To me, their relationship, even though we only got to, you know, see it for a few pages, um, it really feel it felt like they had like a really good open, you know, relationship where they communicated about everything. So to me, it would be a little bit shocking that he never, you know, let on to the fact that there may, you know, be a child out there somewhere. Right. I agree. I agree that had he known, he would have he would have said something. But like the calculation, she was like, oh, shit, this was before before me. And I'm glad it turned out not to be his son because it's like, okay, there wasn't a child out there that he didn't get to experience. Mm -hmm. Maybe he would have been there, of course, for his nephew, but it wasn't his his child. Yeah. Um, And I just feel like she was a she was an angel for him. And I'm really glad that he did not use her. That's what I was worried about. Mm hmm. Like him coming in and just milking her for everything. Right. Um, so I was like kind of agreeing with the friends. Like, girl, what did you do? <laughs> um, yeah, I could see the end. Because it could have it been a nightmare, but I think she she followed her, her heart. And I think that's why she was so blessed. When you are, you are giving like that, you get a whole lot back. Right. She did. She got a bonus family. She got... The son and the mama, you know, eventually. Mm-hmm. So, and then the mama became, a, you know, a friend and a light to her mom, you know. So, you know, it really worked out in her favor where, you know, that little bit, she just stepped out on faith, basically, you know, led with her heart. And then it ended up coming back, you know, and um, giving back to her and pouring back into, you know, what she had going on. Because I feel like he allowed her... To kind of see like, um, you know, that push for him to go and help his mom and do these things for his mom, you know, even though, you know, it was well known, you know, that his mother was on drugs and stuff like that. I felt like that little bit of push and support helped her also with her daughter. Like yep. kind of helped her, you know, stay in the mind frame of, yes, you know, she might be treating me a certain way. She may be, you know, reacting to me negatively, but I need to keep trying. I need to keep trying. Or whatever. So I felt like as she was giving him advice and telling him, you know, go home and be with your mom and, you know, stay with her, you know, until she's feeling better or whatever, you know, the case may be. Um, that was her speaking to herself as well, you know, mm-hmm. fighting for her daughter. So I did like that. That was a deep message in that situation. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if I would be able to handle... I mean, but you know, that's love. So I let me take that back. I feel like that's un you know, that's just unwavering love. Like you're it's not like a relationship or something like that where you're constantly taking a beating. That is like somebody that's your child. So that was a little bit different, but I do feel like there were moments where she gave up, you know, where her friend Corinthia had to tell her, Hey, you need to keep trying. Cause I definitely feel like 
there was moments when she was like, I'm not getting through, you know, whatever. And she started feeling defeated. So she started giving up, especially in the beginning of the book, you know, we're introduced to them not talking, not having a relationship at all, you know, so. Mm. I also think that she wasn't accepting the fact that she might have had a hand in what's going on with her daughter. Because black folks don't never want to do that. <laughs> I saw a tweet. I saw a tweet the other day. It said uh-huh. that your parents are not recognizing your depression because they don't want to have to admit that they had a hand in it. Mm. And that's that's deep. And I do feel like that was a lot of it, too, because I feel like the conversation that she had with her uh, sister-in-law, her ex-sister-in-law, because her that Peggy is the sister of her ex-husband, um, I felt like she kind of alluded to that in that conversation. Peggy was like, you know, there's things that she may not have told you, you know, whatever that are bothering her that are affecting her. But yeah, you know, it stems from, you know, you guys' relationship, the family dynamic and stuff like that. And I feel like at that time when she was getting that information, she wasn't open to it because it was like, well, how could I, you know, all I tried to do was love her. And that ain't always, you know, Mm -hmm. the type of love you're trying to give is not always the type of love that people need. And I felt like because of the fact that Jaleesa could not, you know, basically tell, you know, her mom these things or whatever, or have these type of conversations with her, um, it just left that door open where she just did not know what, you know, it was. But I felt like maybe if they would have did some group counseling or something like that, but I feel like Black people are not open to therapy. Because it took us so long to get to that point where it was like, hey, well, maybe, you know, whatever therapy, you know, and seeing, you know, somebody for, you know, mental health help is, you know, needed. So I feel like Loretta could have used some therapy herself. Exactly. Like, That's what I was just about to say. She, need, she needed to go herself. Like, I, feel like I don't think anybody is exempt from going. Maybe you don't need as many sessions as the next person. Mm-hmm. But everybody could benefit from a session and what I didn't like is the fact that she already knew her daughter was fragile Mm -hmm. and she calls her about like oh I'm gonna move to Vegas and I'm gonna do this that girl grown and you weren't gonna be able to do anything that that stops it so all you had to do on that phone is be like okay hope it works out she well why you doing that like being like judgmental and she like mom well don't do that like at some point you gotta let go yeah, that's the hey, that's that's true. Cause you know, <laughs> cause she's forty. She my not mama kind of has something like that the other day. Yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like you grown. You know, I understand. You know, you coming from a certain place. But what I do feel like is, as a parent and stuff like this, and I'm not a parent, so you know, I'm speaking loosely or whatever. When I get my own kids, I'll be able to tell the people how to parent their own kids or whatever the case may be. <laughs> but I feel like, um. You know, I feel like parents need to have confidence that they've instilled, you know, these morals and these values within their children that, yeah, they may stray and they may do, you know, certain things to kind of find themselves within the world, but they're never going to leave what you taught them. They're never going to, you know, forget those things, those nuggets and um, those gems and stuff. They're still there, you know, and maybe they got to hit rock bottom to rediscover them. But damn, like, you know, and I feel you on that whole conversation because I felt like, her reaching out was her letting her know, hey, I'm trying. Mm-hmm. And for the fact that she just, you know, became very, you know, upset and aggressive and basically was like, okay, so what next? You know, you've done this before. What's any different from, you know, what you've done before? You don't, you know, have the history of 
actually sticking with things when you start them. So, you know, what's the point? I kind of felt like that definitely pushed her away even further, which was sad, you know. Right, because ain't like, it ain't got nothing to do with you. <laughs> she, didn't ask, she didn't ask you for nothing. Mm-hmm. And another thing I don't like that people do when it comes to parenting is like, I don't want my child to ever suffer whatever my child needs. And maybe they grew up and they didn't have the basic necessities and they want to go above and beyond to, to compensate for what they missed in their childhood. But I don't want my child to be on this earth and never have to go through hardships. If you think about your hardships, that's where you got your biggest lessons from. So I'm just at this point, I'm just going to be standing on the sideline like, Ooh, your lights got cut off. Well, you want some candles? Uh. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't go that far. But if they didn't ask me for nothing on a light bill, then yeah. You know, because yeah, I... This is like, it. well, why you ain't got your light? Don't you got a nigga over there? Oh, girl. Ooh. <laughs> um, mm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. So I know it, it sucks to watch your child suffer. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, if I know you know better and you still suffered, I'm like, oh, you need to feel it. Because what I told you ain't working. You need to... What y'all tell me on the call the other day? The, um... I think Jill said it. What was it? It was... If you can't hear it, you need to feel it. Something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I think... Hmm. Yeah, that's what she said. I can't remember. She had, like, a Caribbean, like, old saying or something. Um, But pretty much that's what it was. And then also another thing that was in the book that I think that we shared with you as well on the call was maybe not hearing it from your parents, but hearing it from someone else, you know, someone else is outside of the situation. You're going to be more open. You're going to be more receptive to what they're, you know, telling you because you're not, you don't feel like you're being reprimanded. You don't feel like you're being, you ain't getting no ass whooping, you know, from mm-hmm. a stranger, but you, when your parent is trying to tell you something, that's how you feel, you know, whatever. So yeah. Mhm. <laughs> so yeah, definitely definitely some 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 mirror, I guess, uh, men in the mirror moments for me in that reading that and also like with my own relationship with my mom and how I see her um manage the relationship with my sister. And I I don't think they stated this in the book, but I felt like Loretha may have raised both of those children the same. Mm-hmm. And they always tell you not to do that. I don't know how people raise kids differently in the same household. I, I don't I only have one. Um, and I don't know if I'm gonna have more at this point because I'm I'm tired of this one. <laughs> but they <laughs> they they tell you that each one is different and you have to handle them accordingly and I felt like she tried to raise them the same. And that mm-hmm. that may have been where the the misstep the misstep was. Mm. But yeah, parenting like, don't come with a handbook. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I feel like she didn't really have the tools because I feel like her mom did the same thing. If you look at the relationship that her mom had, you know, with her and her sister, where they end up being two different people, it kind of was like basically I felt like a lot of times Loretha within the book was kind of like, I don't know how my sister turned out this way because I didn't turn out this way. You know, so I feel like it was kind of that same way. So it's passed on those type of... And then the fact that her mom... I felt like a lot of it also stemmed from the fact that 
They didn't know who their dad was. Her mom had slept with these men within such a short time frame that both of them had different daddies. Like, I feel like that Your really weighs on a her. <laughs> a real hot girl, okay? Real hot girl shit. She had them babies and she was not ashamed to say, hey, I did what I had to do and I should end up sleeping with two men and I had y'all, you know, whatever the case may be. And I feel like that kind of really trickled down into her um, relationship with her kids. And also the fact that her husband was abusive, you know, the the husband um, that she fathered, that fathered those kids or whatever, he was abusive. Because I know Peggy talks about that when she talks about his mental health issues, you know, the reason why he was lashing out and the reason why he was an alcoholic. So I feel like maybe the violence within the home also had, you know, something to do with the fact that she wasn't really able to probably parent as well as she could have. Even though I feel like she did an excellent job. I mean, you look at, I mean, I guess it's the same thing with her mom looking at her and Odessa, you know, they're two different people. And then you look at her children, Jaleesa and her son, her son is, you know, well-established. He's off, you know, in another country, you know, working for, I think the military with the, you know, a family just doing well for himself. And then you also have, you know, this daughter, you know, who's struggling to get on the right path. So I don't know. Yeah, it was it was wild. It was wild. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I don't really. I mean, she could have did a lot better, but I feel like she didn't know any better herself. Like I really wish my girl would have got some therapy because <laughs> I feel like she needed it. Yeah, she did. She definitely did. But she. If she, if she would have died at the end of the book, she lived a good life and she did the best she could do, which I think yeah. that's all we can hope for. But I'm happy that she didn't die because she could end up, you know, meeting somebody, <laughs> which I was so happy for. So speaking of her mother and their relationship, I do feel like some of this, um, I read an article in regards to Terry McMillan when they were asking her basically about the story, where she got the story from, and what inspired her to write the story. And something that I thought about as I was reading this article is maybe she was writing the character Loretha in regards to herself. So, you know, Terry McMillan, she lost her husband, you know, to... Oh, she did. Remember, well, he was gay, so they divorced. So maybe oh. this was her writing off her husband, you know, the death of her husband, the death of, you know, the love of her life of that relationship. This is like years ago. Because um, then also they mentioned in Wait and Exhale, remember Loretta Devine's character, her husband or ex, you know, was gay. Oh, right. Well. Okay. So um, maybe that's where it kind of came from. But one thing that I definitely feel like she touched on that came from her real life where, you know, like creatives, we always use some type of inspiration from our real life to kind of be portrayed in our art was the relationship with her mom. I believe last year she lost her mother. And then about three years ago, her sister had committed suicide. So as we know, we read the book and the theme of suicide, the theme of depression also came up. You know, we talked about Loretha's daughter and then we have not talked about it, but one of Loretha's very good friends, Poochie, decided to commit suicide. How did you feel about that in the book? 
At first, I thought it was really selfish because um, they found her. I don't think I would ever want to do that to somebody because they were expecting her and she didn't show up and she had the letters laid out for them. Um, I wouldn't want anybody to 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 see that. Um, But once they kind of went over or I thought about all the things that she had been going through, I understood why she wanted to just just leave. I I can't see myself doing that. Mm -hmm. Um. But I understood like she her the her losing her mom was really tough for her, and then her body was just deteriorating, breaking down, right? Yeah, so it's like uh, I get it, and she was she was living in a in an old I don't want to call it an old folks home, but a senior community at that point, right? Yes, when they found her, so I can't remember. Was she still in Vegas at the time or had she moved back to Pasadena? She had moved back. Okay, so she had moved back and she was living in a facility. But was she living in the same facility as her mom? Uh, No, it was a different facility. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, she was in an old folks home. I, but you know, I don't like the topic of like assisted suicide come, like it comes up in class. Uh, mm-hmm. Where we talk about like how nurses are not allowed to participate, but in some states, doctors are allowed to assist, you know, clients, patients that are terminally ill with um, assisted suicide. And that's kind of what I thought about. So I wasn't really expecting for me, I didn't take her as that person to do something like that. I didn't, but I didn't think of it as being selfish. I just kind of thought of it as... um just kind of giving up. I felt like all of them were kind of at the point where all of them had things going on where they could have gave up, you know, they could have really, you know, gave in to whatever was going on, you know, Loretta with her health problems and her family problems, you know, lucky with, you know, possibly losing her husband, losing her damn self-control, you know, with her house, um, Corinthia with her, you know, her children and stuff like that. But for me, I felt like Poochie just kind of, I hate to say like the easy way out, you know, whatever, but I felt like she just kind of gave up, you know, it was like, it was all these things that she was exploring as far as like, um, you know, the surgeries and stuff like that. But I guess when, cause I think they said she also had cancer too. So I guess that kind of, you know, spiraled her into this, um, you know, it's not even worth it at this point kind of mentality. Right. She wrote it in the, in the suicide note where she told him she had um she had cancer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It I couldn't see I couldn't see myself doing it. It's like um but I I understand. And I'm mm-hmm. from um I'm from Michigan where um Dr. Kevorkian where that story originated. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what's the what's the the term for it? The um What you mean? The term for assisted suicide. Oh, that's, I think that's what it is. I don't know. What do you mean? It's, it's like a, it's the term for it. Euthanasia. Oh, is it euthanasia? Oh, yeah, but you can do it like different, you know, different things. That's just so, the first term mm-hmm. that, that I heard of it. I remember um, in my first English class, um, I was high school, I yeah. took English at the community college and we had a discussion about it. I'd never heard of it, um, probably because I'm black. 
And <laughs> a, a white woman raised her hand and she kind of gave her take on it. And she said she remember her dad being in a lot of pain as he was dying of cancer. And she just took another like an extra dose of pain medication and just gave it to him. And she was like, her and her sister don't talk about it. And I'm like, girl, you just admitted mm-hmm. to doing a crime. Like, we yeah. out in the open. <laughs> and you can go to jail for that, depending on the state. Right. And it's it's in Michigan. I still don't think it's legal, but um I guess I understand. For me, I don't think I would like I said, I would want to be a part of it. I feel like that would be a part of my journey. But in my mind, I want Jesus to come get me in my sleep. So I guess you won't know until you're in that situation and you're going through yeah. so much pain. But I think, you know what, now she said that, I think maybe that's how she wanted them to find her. She wanted to them to discover her in a peaceful situation. Now, Terry McMillan does not. She In the article, she didn't disclose how her sister committed suicide. So we don't know if it was a traumatic thing where, um, you know, they found her, you know, bloody or, you know, something very gruesome. But I think that portraying um, Poochie, you know, asleep in the bed, looking like an angel, just kind of added the softer touch to it versus, you know, somebody like doing something else, like, you know, killing themselves, you know, with a gun or something like that. Um, so I think it just kind of added like a softer approach. And then like how you're saying you want to kind of like die in your sleep. Like, I feel like that's the best way people want to find, you know, their loved ones dead. They don't want it to be like a traumatic experience where, you know, it's like car crash, like, you know, they're disfigured or something like that. So maybe that's why she chose that route because, I mean, she was going in for surgery and she was absolutely terrified. So, you know, maybe she didn't want it to be something where, you know, she went through surgery and she didn't make it. And, you know, that's how they had to find out. So versus that, you know, kind of thing, because she basically told them she didn't want them to be at the hospital either when she went for surgery. So maybe she already had that fear. Maybe that discussion was already had, you know, with her doctor that, hey, you may not make it. And maybe she didn't want them to be there waiting on her to come out. And then they have to hear the news that, hey, she actually did not make it. So, mm, I don't know. That's a tough thing. And I feel like because I'm not in that situation to, like, where I've never thought about it, I can't really say how someone may be feeling Mm -hmm. in that moment. But I probably would not. Um, Right now in this moment, I'm saying I would not do it. But I definitely understand, you know, everybody has a right to choose, you know, how to live their their lives. But I do feel like I I don't I don't like to use the word selfish, but I do feel like, you know, people, you know, your family and your friends, they're gonna miss you. So <laughs> Right. Know. I I want God to to make that call mm-hmm. that call on my life. Um I I just I don't know. I don't want anybody finding me dead if they don't have to. I pre- I mean, if I'm at the hospital, I would rather prefer that. Rather that. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes doctors can be insensitive. <laughs> you know, whatever. It's like, okay, they didn't make it. You know, I feel like it kind of takes out a piece of the sincerity. But maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, see, Jesus, just let me go up in the chariot like that one dude from the Old Testament. Just just come get me that way. Look, let me go name. with everybody. <laughs> I'll wait till the last day to come. <laughs> and if we all gonna go, we might well just all go together, you know, because I... On July 1st. Girl. <laughs> I want to make it to August the 2nd. Okay. August 3rd. Come get us. And people like, well, look, if I'm getting some birthday... <laughs> Come on, August the third. Make it by five PM. We might want to go another round <laughs> when we wake up. But I'm tripping. Let me stop. <laughs> but no, um, we ain't going nowhere no time soon. I hope. Right. I hope. But yeah, I think that to me, my heart just kind of sank when I read that because I was not expecting that. I mean, all this talk of like death and everything that was going on. I really thought, you know, it's a possibility that her daughter. Quite, you know, she could have definitely, you know, uh, got into a drunk driving accident. She could have overdosed, you know. They were saying it was rumors of her, um, you know, possibly doing drugs. Mm-hmm. But. And yeah. even. Um, Corinthia. Corinthia, her son. I forgot his name. But him and, and, his, and his overdose. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they touched on a lot of stuff that as you you know you age you have you have some experience in and you have to witness, right? Um, and that was just that one was tough. That one, my literally my heart dropped. I'm like I'm too invested in this book. <laughs> so I was like, oh my god, no! I'm like you don't know these people. These ain't really mm-hmm. people. Um, but my heart just just felt for her. Um, you know, with her with her son passing from overdose, which also can be seen as a, a form of, you know, because I don't think they 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 list overdoses as suicides. But I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes some of them are. Yeah, some people, you know, intentionally um, do it. And I think and, you know, now that you say that, I feel like maybe that's what happened because. You know, he went to rehab and the way they phrased it before or at the time that they, because she didn't say that her son overdosed. It was one of the friends that said, hey, you know, he actually overdosed, you know. Um, somebody else said something like he took way too many, you know, so that makes you think, you know, was it intentional? Because I feel like as a drug user, you're very aware of what you need to get to the point where you are enjoying yourself and what you need to get to be beyond that point. You know, if you've been mm-hmm. doing it for a while, I feel like that's something you're not, you know, you're not ignorant to. So I wonder if, you know, he was just like, hey, you know, I can't fight this anymore. I've tried, you know, I've tried rehab two, three times. It really hasn't worked for me. You know, I think this is the best. And that was, I mean, it was hard to see yeah. her. She wanted so bad for him to, you know, make it out, you know, and kind of survive and come out, you know, on the top end. And you can see where it really hurt her because she literally dropped everything and drove, you know, two, three hours away, you know, to go be with him by his side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was tough. I, as a parent, that is kind of my worst nightmare, having a um a, a child on, on drugs. Um, mm-hmm. Because you are literally just a, a bystander in that. Yeah. Like there, there's it, not much you can do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's with um, you know, with anybody, it's like you can offer help, but until they are open to it and they feel like 
they need it, it's not going to work. It's not going to, um, you know, kind of, it's not going to help. They're not going to be open to you offering the help. They're not going to really want it. So yeah, that's a little bit hard. Mm, I don't know. It was, you know, now that I think about it, a lot of this book was really dark. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was very, very like dark. There were like a few highlights that were like, oh, this is nice. But for the most part, it was like, God damn. Yeah, it was really dark. So just like, how do you, because I'm thinking like, it was a lot of tough conversations that were had, you know, between, you know, siblings, between children, between friends and, you know, just other aspects of family. How do you handle hard conversations with your friends or with your family? Um, let me see. Immediate family. Um, and that's just me and my daughter. That could be whether we're going to talk via email, via text mm-hmm. with with the therapist or, you know, we just downright have a conversation. So there's a lot of different ways that we we have tough conversations. Um, friends. No, I feel like I do that with every with everyone. I try to use different different mediums um, because what I like about doing things with 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 words on paper or through through an email is that nobody's arguing everybody gets to say their point and Mm. then when it comes to like a therapist or like a third party you have somebody there who does not take a side and I think I think that helps so creating some sort of environment where everybody feels like they're heard and also not expecting a happy ending at the end of it Mm. Um, I'm okay with this not being more than what it is this season ending. And yeah. for me, I think a lot of people get caught up in, well, this is my family. You know, we're supposed to talk forever. And I'm usually not the person you should come talk to about your family problems. So I'm going to tell you, tell them <laughs> this way. Um, I, I don't deal with the, with the drama. Like I don't necessarily talk to my mom a whole lot now. I've been checking on her during the quarantine, but you know, it's like, girl, we still not cool. And my whole thing is she wants us to have this relationship, but it's based on, well, you know, I'm your mama. You, we supposed to have a relationship. And my whole thing is like, mm-hmm. don't you want somebody to have a relationship with you because they enjoy you? Like, and this is why I gravitate more mm-hmm. towards my friends because they're not here or they're not in my life. They don't necessarily care for me because they have to. They do it right. because they want to. They enjoy what we have and, and vice versa. And I feel like with family, it's it's so forced. And I don't, I'm not forcing anything. Girl, if it ain't working, mm. it ain't working. And it's <laughs> like, uh, my mom is like, well, you, well, you just want everybody to do what you want to do. No, we're on different sides. You don't yeah. have to come over here to this side, but we're not going to be, it ain't going to ride until we are on the same side. And we don't, we don't have to do that in this lifetime. We don't like, it's not, there's no beef. There's there's no beef. Like, I'm not about to harbor and carry anything against you. But if we don't align, we just don't align. And that's that's mama, sister, brother, um, uncle, aunt, friend, former friend. Like, if it if it doesn't mesh, it don't mesh. Daughter, shit. If it comes to a point <laughs> where, you know, it ain't working, you know, for me and my mm-hmm. daughter. And I've taught her this. I'm like, if you don't like dealing with me, don't. 
And I want her to take that with every relationship that she has in the future. Like, you don't have to do shit with anybody. I don't give a damn what binds y'all. No. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just, like I said, like to create spaces where everybody feels like they are heard in that situation. And for me, not not expecting kumbaya at the end. Mm. So, yeah. What do you do? Um. So I agree. I do like being able to write it out. I am a person that, when it's time to have a hard conversation, I don't necessarily jump at it. Um. At that moment, I sometimes take a few, you know, a few days or a few weeks to kind of write out what I want to talk about. So, like, I have, like, bullet points. I have, like, <laughs> passages, paragraphs. And I'm like, okay, boom, I need addresses. I need to address that. And I feel like I find it easier to do it, like how you said, written form. So, there might be, you know, text for me um, initially. And then if we need to have a, you know, phone conversation or something after, you know, we get that initial um, conversation off, then... You know, that's where I take it. But I feel like I don't necessarily have hard conversations with family. That's something that's coming up for me right now in um, therapy as I'm discussing this with my um, therapist. So I have homework to do (laughs) and it kind of aligns with that. But I don't necessarily have hard conversations with family. I feel like I have tried um, in the past. It is more of Either they don't want to see what, you know, I'm saying, or it's, you know, you're a child, you need to stay in a child's place um, kind of thing. So with friends, um, that's where I really get to, you know, kind of have those type of conversations. And I feel like when I have issues with friends, maybe not all the time do I bring it up, but I feel like I'm probably more inclined to do it when I'm dating versus with friends. I feel like friends don't like to hear that. Friends kind of like family too. Like good friends, they don't want to hear that they, you know, out here doing something that you don't like. They really feel like they could do no wrong um, sometimes. But I feel like it's more easier to do it, you know, in dating versus with friends. I feel like we allow a lot of things to slide with our friends, you know, versus people that we're dating. So I feel like when I it's time to have those hard conversations, um, I like to take a little bit of time because I can get a little bit of... Um, I don't want to say I have anger issues, but I know when I get, you know, angry, I'm just like, you know, well, fuck everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't want to talk about nothing because pretty much fuck you. But I mean, that's not, the <laughs> right, that's not the right way to handle it. So I definitely like to, um, you know, write things out and kind of, you know, as the conversation grows, kind of put in, you know, okay, well, let me hit this bullet point. Let me hit that bullet point. Let me hit this bullet point. Let me come back and double around. And, um, you know, you said something about leaving the conversation, you know, and everything is happy. And I was going to say, you know, I think that I do that. But what I think I try and do is get an understanding versus leaving off on a good note. Just trying to get some type of, you know, common ground where we both can operate in, you know, whatever. I'm working on doing it with family, but it's probably going to take some time because I feel like family, they don't, you know. Don't be trying to hear that shit. Family. <laughs> I, I totally, I you know, totally understand what you're saying. Yes. Uh, but friends, I sometimes do, but usually it's like a falling out. I feel like when my friends do stuff, I'm usually able to kind of correct it as it's happening. So I don't really feel, find those to be like hard conversations. I feel like it's easier to communicate, you know, with friends um, than it is with anybody else. And then kind of everybody else falls, you know, either on 
one side of the scale where it's very hard or one side of the scale where it's like, ah, nothing, you know, and their family, we really don't, they don't count at all. What what I found that works is that if I lead the conversation with like where I messed up, mm-hmm. it allows a space for them. And it, it don't work with everybody because some people mm-hmm. are hell bent on never being wrong. <laughs> and it's like, okay, this is this is where I messed up and mm-hmm. this is where I can do better. Your turn. And if they don't do I'm like, all right. <laughs> I'm a Leo. I might I might be that person where I'm like, oh. I didn't really do no wrong. But so I never, I you know, I never lead with that. I always lead with I gave you chances after chance after chance, <laughs> and I noticed this four or five months ago. But now today, you really have tried it, you know, whatever. So what do you have to say for yourself? But I try not to. <laughs> I try not to lead with that all the time. I try to do um, the I feel, you know, whatever. And I feel like sometimes it's a little bit easier. People are more open to hearing, you know, oh, I feel, you know, this way about this, you know, whatever, because you did this versus, well, you did this and now this is how I feel, you know. So I try try to leave what I feel a lot of times because sometimes I don't be wrong, you know, but I'm a Leo, so. <laughs> I feel like we don't ever feel like we wrong in any situation, so. The king mm. of the jungle. You know, yeah, we like the wrong. I don't know. I just, mm, but I'm working on it. You know, I feel like that's a part of one of the reasons why I decided to do therapy because I want to start being a lot more comfortable with having those conversations and having those conversations with everybody. I feel like with strangers and people I'm dating, people that could really get dropped at, you know, quick second, I have no problem saying, hey, this is where you got me fucked up. But I feel like with friends and with family, I'm a little bit more, uh, well, I'm going to take a little bit more before I actually say something or before I react. And, you know, it's not always the best way to handle it. But I think we all struggle with conflict resolution because it's not, at least it's not something that's taught to us growing up. Mm. Like, I can't remember any amount of healthy conflict resolution, like being a witness to any of it. It's right, like, and then I'm gonna I bust your ass, and then we gonna hug later. Exactly, <laughs> that's exactly what I was just about to say. Like, um, and that's exactly how I feel. And then I also feel like you know, growing up, especially within a black home, it's like children don't have a voice. You know, if you say anything opposite of you know what your parents or guardians or whoever whoever's you know the authority figure. It's more so seen as a sign of disrespect versus seen as Mm -hmm. you just, you know, speaking up for yourself or saying, you know, my feelings are hurt or, you know, just, you know, saying when you feel like, you you know, something's not right. But I think that's that's what I'm working through right now. So I feel like I love seeing that within the book where, (laughs) you know, as the friends were messing up, you know, like Sadie, you know, homegirl. You know, <laughs> that whole church tripping. thing. Yes, because what I recall, one of the first dinners, they called her out for being a lesbian. Do you remember that? Where she, uh, um, somebody saw her in the car. I think it was Corinthia saw her in the oh, car. Oh, yeah. White lady. She's like, oh, no, that's just how we, you know, we say bye. I do love that. I love that. Even though they knew, like, pe- their friends were going to get offended, you know, by them saying certain things, they said it anyway. And they didn't wait weeks. They literally were like, oh, bitch, you know, you know, that person, it was like, well, we saw you doing this and we feel like, you know, whatever. So 
Um, I do love that that book kind of showed the aspect. I feel like um, that's something, if nothing else, that I would love to take away where you just kind of, you know, correct people or not even correct people, but you have the conversations as the things are happening. Right. You don't harbor it. Right. It makes life easier, especially now. Shit. We don't know how much time we got left on the clock. Yeah, I think that's going <laughs> to drive everybody to like living life at its fullest because you don't know when you're not going to have access to it. Because when I tell you, as soon as these gates open, I'm going to be doing all types of shit. Let's see. That sounds like some ratchet shit. That don't sound- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything because I'm I'm I've already done a lot of things that I wanted to do mm-hmm. in my life, but I still felt like I've like I've been holding back. So anything mm-hmm. that I, I think that scares me, I'm doing more of it. Like I had this okay. goal, like I started it maybe a year and a half ago and it was like, I'm going to do something every quarter that like scares me. So I took like an improv class and mm. it was like very nerve wracking. I was terrified to do it, but I got through it. And my whole thing is that taught me that you can do anything as long as you, you, you know, you try to do it. But I had like fell off track, wasn't doing enough of it. But as soon as these gates open, I'm doing all that stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'm the same. I'm hoping, you know, right now I'm not really upset about it because my life was so busy between school and work, but you know, if we happen to not have a, you know, a hot girl summer this summer and next year be the summer, I'll be graduating. So I, then I'm going to be ready. I'm going to be ready to let it all out. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. I feel like all them nights when I was like, oh no, I'm just going to stay home. And I ain't going to go out and I'm not going to do nothing. And now I'm like, bitch, you should have went out. <laughs> right. Got up off your butt. You know, but then I'd be like, self-care is resting and taking a nap. But now I'm like, ooh, yeah, you should have took advantage of all of those times, you know, whatever. So I definitely feel you on that. Like once, well, you know, Georgia, we prematurely, you know, open the gate. <laughs> so once the gate's been open for a little bit, then I'm going to go out, you know, and do, you know, certain things and stop thinking of that mindset of, you know, trying to be responsible with every aspect of life. Oh, I'm so boring now. Right. Because when the rapture come on August 3rd, you're going to want to be like, I lived my life. So I want to be wrapped up <laughs> where he's going to be like, look, get off of that man. You need to come with me. <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> so we just give me, just give me five minutes. I'll be there. <laughs> oh look, I'm going to hell. Feels <laughs> like bitch, please. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm gonna live my life. I think once we get out of here, definitely. Yeah, it's a lot of things on my list. So, um, so let me ask you if you were. Let's put us in the mindset of like being like in our 60s and our 70s. What is something that you feel like you would do? Like it's your big bang on the way out. My big bang on the way out. Uh, (laughs) I would hope that especially if I knew I was going to pass, Mm -hmm. I'd ramp up my philanthropy efforts and just start going around and, and giving away money. Mm. That, that would okay. be my big thing, especially if I knew so I was going to be like Drake and God's plan. Yep. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I love that. Like I still like, I, I still give every month, but I would definitely 
ramp that up. Um, I would try to have conversations with people. Like, even like I said, I always say there's no beef with people, but people, you know, love to beef by themselves. Mm-hmm. But I would let them know that, hey, it's it's all good. Like, mm-hmm. whatever you got going on is with, is with you. Like, I'm I'm good with you. I don't. I love you. I don't have any ill feelings towards you or anyone else. I think, and then I would would try to spend as much time as I could with the with some of like the people that I love and care deeply about. So trying to do more with with my daughter, grandkids, and see me and my daughter are almost in the same generation. So <laughs> I'm like Corinthia's age. My child in their damn fifties. Like she was sixty nine. Yeah. My child would be fifty four. <laughs> But she's so still, like, like, still going to be watching you go. <laughs> right. I mean, she put me in a home. Yeah. She's going to be coming next. Um, but trying <laughs> to love on grandkids and probably great mm. grandkids um, and, and all my friends, just trying to make sure I leave behind happy memories. Mm. That that would be okay. what I would do if I, on my way out. Mm. What about you? That was so wholesome. I was thinking about running around Times Square naked or something. <laughs> something crazy. Something that you can get arrested for. Um, but yeah, that I mean, that's really dope. I probably would do the same, especially um, you know, if it's something where I, I had like a time limit where I knew, you know, hey, you got six months, you know, whatever, um, to go, then yeah, I probably would do a lot of those things. And especially Pouring into people who don't have opportunities, that mm-hmm. would probably be the thing as well. Um, really big. And then just spending um, time, quality time is like one of my, it's not my top love language, but it's the second to the top. So definitely would like to spend some face-to-face time, like fuck a phone. Mm-hmm. You're in New York, you're in California. I'm booking a, you know, booking a, you know, plane ticket and I'm coming to stay for a week. I don't necessarily have to stay with you, but I'm going to be in your town, you know, for a week. So, you know, hopefully we get to spend, you know, time. And I would want to travel. If this is my last days, I love traveling. Um, I would like to travel. Yeah, that's what I'm, what I'm missing right now. Definitely travel, but... um. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm with you on the on the QT. <laughs> on yeah, the QT. I, I just thought about Dustin QT and A's. <laughs> mm, I thought about QT with a QT. That too. Look, I was thinking when I travel, a lover in every city. You know, old folks be getting down. I want to be one of them. Where I could still, I could still hang. Maybe a threesome. If I wanted to do like something crazy, now that I think person? about your question, yeah, oh, it's probably not as fun. But they say there's some place in Florida where they say like it has like the highest STD rate and like everybody is a swinger. Mm-hmm. But it's a bunch of white people, so no shade. But um, well, you know, old folks, you know, they still have sex. So like the nursing homes and stuff like that, they do have high rates of, you know, in school they teach us that their sexuality is still important to them. So we should not ignore it because they still have thoughts of, you know, how their body looks, how they look to others, you know, stuff like that in that, you know, romance world. So they're definitely still out here getting it in. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not something I'm interested in now, but if I'm on the way out, well, shit, let's try it. If I regret it, I ain't going to be here long to regret it. (laughs) 
and that and um always said that when I got old it was time to go out I would dip like cocaine might be on the list you gonna I'm about to go <laughs> like, maybe I'll see what the hype about if I lose if I can't even lose teeth if I do crystal meth because I ain't got none mm-hmm. um <laughs> but that if, that if I'm gonna go off the wall it would be it would be that but for the most part I'm gonna do what I said the first time <laughs> Mm. <laughs> See, you took it to a very, very, very dark place. <laughs> I, know, I was just gonna be on the side while you all in the streets with it. Um, yeah. yeah, I probably believe I probably have a little boot thing, and I probably would be like a sugar mama. I feel like I would love to see, like, if I'm not married, you know, whatever for whatever reason. Um, hopefully, I didn't kill the nigga off because he done, you know, tried it, but. <laughs> Cause I'm likely to, um, you know, maybe I have a little, you know, a little Romeo, a little somebody I can put some on their books, you know, get them through a, a few semesters of, you know, school or something like that. These you young know, men got energy, all kinds of energy. Well, I don't think I want that either. Cause you ain't going to be having me pent up all night. <laughs> Cause you know, I like, me I like my sleep. <laughs> if I'm old, I I ain't got I don't do nothing but sleep. Pin me. Okay, come with you with her man. Viagra. Right. <laughs> she was so mad about that man in that Viagra. Oh, I'll save my story for another time that made me think of a memory. But let's let's move on. <laughs> okay, we. <laughs> so we are going to move. On was there anything? Were there any other themes in the book that we did not touch on um, that you kind of took away? Um, no. Only thing it was like if she had all this money, why did it take her so long to get to Japan to see them damn grandbabies? It's the only thing that bothered me. You know, I had an issue with that because to me, I felt like she didn't want to go. And that's the real reason why it took so long. Because she kept complaining about his family. Like, oh, the kids are, you know, not attractive. They're not cute. You know, hopefully they grow into their looks. And I, in a way, I feel like even though she didn't mention it, I feel like maybe she wasn't happy that he married someone outside of their race. Even though Lucky had a white husband and she didn't say anything, you know, about him. But I do feel like she wasn't, too happy about you know the asian um woman you know whatever um yeah <laughs> yeah i thought i just thought that was real weird i'm the grandmamas i know want to be there at the birth mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i thought like i'm like agree with it right because i mean it's like girl it wasn't a money issue mm-hmm. and it definitely wasn't you know I'm a business owner, you know, I need to be here because, like, your husband was living when they were born. He could have t- taken care of it for you. Or, I mean, you left when you had just opened up a store, so I don't know. I feel like a lot of that was she didn't want to go, and then it just came to the point where, hey, people are dying, you know, I might as well go ahead and, um, you know, go see my grandbabies because I don't know if I'm next. And that's how I kind of felt with that. And I felt like maybe something had happened with her and her son that we just didn't know about because I feel like they didn't seem that close either. You know, Mm -mm, Um, they didn't. It didn't seem like they communicated well, you know, or frequently. Um, 
Yeah. I don't, something was weird about that, that I feel like we just did not get to kind of get into. Maybe it was some parts that, you know, kind of got dropped off from the book to kind of explain because he just kind of, you know, I want to say ran off to another country, you know, whatever. But then it seems like once their relationship started getting better and he started getting close with his sister, then that kind of that drive to come back to the United States happened and where it was like, okay, we're planning to move, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, before I feel like if certain things didn't happen, he probably wouldn't want it to go home, you know. Yeah, like I do. He was running away from something. Right. Now that I think about it, because um, when she was saying like the kids were not attractive, let me tell you who babies ain't ugly. Asians, black people, Latino people, Indian people, like, well, they're still, they're Asian as well, but like, you rarely find an ugly baby mm-hmm. from those races. Now, the white folks, no shade. Y'all kids don't be all that cute. Some some of them do, but it's a it's a hit or a miss. Like you see that giant all baby. Children like, are beautiful. <laughs> I, my <laughs> mama has seen the giant baby. <laughs> exactly, that kid was not cute. Uh, my mom, because my sister was probably one of the prettiest babies I have seen. I was cute too, but my sister was like on another level. Mm-hmm. And my daughter was cute. My niece was downright adored, like a Gerber baby. But my mama used to say. That our kids was just all right. She's like, they ain't look like y'all. She's like, they ain't look like my babies. They was just all right. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I had a mama that's like, I'm not about to tell you them kids cute because they my grandbabies. But she was like, they was just all right. I'm like, my baby was cute. She was like, they ain't look like my babies. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I just, I don't believe them kids was ugly. Yeah, I think it was something else that we just didn't know about. To the reason why. And then I feel like maybe she was scared to travel. I feel like she wasn't really open to going on a cruise. Mm-hmm. She wasn't really open to living. To me, it just felt like she was, she kind of sounded like one of those people who, you know, I've never been outside of my city. I've never been outside of my town. She didn't want to party. She didn't want to go to Vegas. She didn't want to go, you know, um, on a cruise and all this stuff. And I'm just like, girl, like, it seems like you don't want to live your life. You just want to die, you know, within this, you know, cocoon kind of mm-hmm. where, you know, everybody's living around you and you're just kind of there. So I, I feel right, like the money of, was there. Right. It was a lot of things. I felt like maybe she didn't want to go, you know, like I said, because she didn't agree with it because she was very judgmental. I feel like maybe she wasn't in support of him moving and leaving his family because it seemed like all of them were pretty close knit. And, you know, her sister, her mom, everybody was still within the same, you know, community and stuff like that. And even her grandchildren, you know, um, and great grands, you know, they were close. They were literally living in the building that she owned. So maybe she had an issue with him, you know, breaking out and breaking free from, you know, family. And some Mm -hmm. families are like that where they don't see a need for you to branch off and, you know, go do your own thing. And they actually get offended when you decide to. So... Maybe that's, you know, an issue that she had. Oh, that's a that's a good good topic to write a book on. Mm-hmm. Cuz you know, you can't be your own person, you know, whatever. They want you to follow exactly what they have, you know, what they have seen, you know, for your life and it's just like, look. That ain't it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm my own person. I have my own wants, my own needs, my own desires and yeah, you know. 
And sometimes it's a lot bigger than this little, you know, shell or this little box that you're trying to put me in. So I feel like she had a lot of that going on, you know, within herself. Cause even like the store where she was like, I want to keep, you know, my old, my old store, but the old store was not up with the times. It's like, okay. So, and then at the end she eventually, you know, upgrades to where she's doing, you know, she has an extravagant store where she's able to do makeovers, like things that we see when we go to a beauty supply store versus, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, going to Ulta versus going to Sally's, you know, whatever. Um, or something like that. Um, right, you know, but then not I, the same. The universe moved in, was like, Girl, you need to move out this store, you take it too mm-hmm. long, <laughs> literally. So, <laughs> literally, so yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's all I could think about. I feel like we touched on a lot. Um, yeah, we did. Um, the book. But if you have not read it, I think that that is something... It's good. It talks about so many different dynamics between friends, between family. You know, even her and her sister, you know, um, you know, we meet them at a time when they're bumping heads and not getting along. And at the end of the book, you know, they're like best friends, you know, and it just takes them having that conversation about, you know, her sister being jealous of her. And stuff like that for them to kind of get to a happy place. So that was a, a a deep message in that. When people don't like you, it ain't got nothing to do with you. Yeah, which is true. It's got everything, you know, to do with them and how they feel, you know, about themselves in comparison to you. And that's literally the problem. But once her sister let that go, her sister was getting some dick. Her sister mm-hmm. was with her life. Her sister was looking good, you know, out in these streets. Like she literally you know, turn her life around um, or whatever. So, yeah, I enjoyed the book. You know, at first I was like, okay, this is moving a little slow for me. But, you know, as we started getting introduced to these characters, their lives and stuff like that, I really, I really got to enjoy it. Yeah. um, If you have somebody in your life that's like, maybe not middle age, but maybe like late 50s or something like that or 60s or 70s, they would really like this book because I feel like they can relate a whole lot more than than we could. Right. Yeah, I, I liked it overall. Because when you were like, oh, it's a little slow, and I'm like, it's straight. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, you know, initially coming in, I feel like, what did we read last time? Rabbit. We read Rabbit, and then before that, we read Set. Yeah. So we came off of sex, we came off of drugs, fast money, and then we came to, you know, this, where it was a little bit more wholesome, and it was like, okay, this is a little bit more of a slower ride, but it was still enjoyable. hmm It was. hmm And I love Terry McMillan, so she's one of my favorites. So I was like, okay, I gotta, you know, gotta do this, you know, whatever, um... Because it was coming out. And I feel like she hasn't had anything in a while. I feel like the last book was I Almost Forgot About You, which I enjoyed. I like that one a lot. Um, And it's the same, you know, theme. Um, You know, someone older age, you know, going through, you know, changes in life or whatever. So So she writes a lot from her perspective and where she's at in life. To me, I feel like more so within her age group, not necessarily younger. And I feel like... You know, at the time when she was writing, you know, Wait Next Hell and Getting Happy, which is a sequel, she was at that age, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah getting to Happy is, is, the, is the only novel I've read of hers. Really? Did mm-hmm. you like it? I did, but I think I, I wanted something waiting to excel, like, or oh. exhale. Like, I was, I wanted something like that. <laughs> Maybe I was going off of the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna read some more of her work. Okay, okay. Audiobooks for me are the thing. But I think she read this, and somebody made a note in um one of the book clubs that I'm in on Facebook, and they were just saying they don't like when she reads because <laughs> she saw the sort of um season monotone, and she's reading this one. So I didn't read it all because I, I had already um read it for myself. So I didn't do the audiobook, but mm, okay, you know, if you choose to. <laughs> You know, whatever. But um, I think that's it for me. I don't have anything um, else. I feel like we discuss a lot within the book. So we will move right on to the music segment. Uh-uh. And tell me what was your top song from your playlist? I'm going to go with I'm Every Woman. It's all in me. Because they were very different. Um, and I know y'all love my singing voice. Book me. I'm available. But it just, <laughs> they were very different. They all had their own issues. And I feel mm-hmm. like no matter what, we could take something from each one of them. And there that would be a lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. I'm every woman. Every woman, it's me. <laughs> all that so that was that was the top song for me that's what i like when i started making the playlist i'm like that's that's the first song very mm-hmm. auntie like playlist mm, okay yeah i like the songs that you chose so i'm still working on mine but i think i'm gonna go that route too it'll be something to clean up too that's how i feel about that yes. one. <laughs> <laughs> something to clean up something to get your house in order too so yeah that's the um, direction I took. I chose, um, for me, this just made me kind of reminisce on Wait and Exhale. I felt like mm-hmm. maybe this could have been them, you know, at that age. Because I think they're maybe like in their 40s, you know, versus, you know, 50s, 60s and stuff like that. So uh, my song was Count On Me by Whitney Houston. I think it is on uh, CC Winans. Yeah. Too. And that was, you know, that's a favorite. And Babyface is actually going to be doing a... Uh, where he's going through the soundtrack and discussing mm-hmm. the tracks and stuff like that coming up soon, I think with Essence. So I'm excited about that, but that's definitely um, where I was thinking about while I was reading this book. So that was my song. Yeah, that's a good one. Cause they were leaning <laughs> on each other. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's a beautiful yeah. song. I sound I, just like yeah. them. I know we both chose Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> Look, is there any other choice? Is there any other choice other than Nippy? I do not think so. I do Rest not think in so. peace, Nippy. One of the greatest to ever do it. Um, she's definitely one of my favorite artists. So, yeah, that's what I thought about. Um, and that is it. So we do have the bulletin board. Do you have anything coming up? Well, shit, I'm, girl. <laughs> I'm, I am. I'm, at first, I was stagnant because mm-hmm. I'm like, I ain't pushing through. But I've had yeah. a little creative juice. I'm working on something for book bloggers at the moment. Okay. I should have it done by the time the next episode drops, but follow my support black authors accounts. That's support black authors on Instagram and then black underscore authors on Twitter. Or you can just go to supportblackauthors.com. But I got some stuff in the works. But for now, you can just check out 
um, book deals. Because I know a lot of us are reading a whole lot more because we ain't got shit else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I you want books by more. black authors, <laughs> right? If you want books by black authors for like one, two, three, four dollars, you know, there'll be a list of them on um, on the website, and you can you can check it out. But that's it for me now. What about you? Girl, I have nothing going on. Um, right now, as we are recording this, this is my spring break. So I am taking advantage of relaxing and then I kick it right back up with class again um next week. So really right now I'm just trying to take advantage of um not having uh, if you're in the Atlanta area, you know traffic gets bad. Literally, I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, leaving the house before the sun rises and then getting home after the sun sets. So I'm taking advantage. I'm not adding anything additional to my plate. Work Mm -hmm. has not slowed down. And, you know, school, even though it's a week break, I'm still getting constant emails. You know, um, we don't necessarily ever get to unplug because everything is so fast paced. So I have a few few things that I have to do um, to make sure I'm compliant for the next semester. So that's what I'm working on. I haven't done anything really um, creatively other than read. So, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to relax as much as possible. All right. Get get your relaxing (laughs) in. And speaking of reading, the next book, you know, I wanted to, you know, do something hot girlish or talk about some hot hot girls or somebody doing some hot girl shit so mm. we'll be reading Sula by mm. Toni Morrison so I haven't read okay. this have you read it Mm-mm, no but I'm familiar mm. with the title yeah so we're, we're gonna be reading Sula so we'll see what Sula was up to in this and it's not a long read this is actually a thin book definitely compared to Beloved because Beloved mm-hmm. long as hell um, yeah the book that I have is 174 pages Okay. So it's is is not an intense read. And they talked about it in the in the documentary she had. So it mm-hmm. kinda already spoiled it for me. But if you didn't check that out, then read the book first and then watch the documentary. Um, but I'm excited to to read this and see what Sula okay. was on. I'm excited because you making these faces, so I'm <laughs> Preparing myself for some excitement. So I'm going to read the book first and then I will watch the documentary. Because I've seen a few people talking about it on um, Twitter, but I have not started. It, it's on Hulu. It's, it's oh, the documentary is, is so good. good. I was watching it with my daughter and every time. Okay. I saw it on the plane first and then they put it on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And I made my daughter sit down and watch it. And every other point Toni Morrison makes, my daughter's like, and that's on period. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Look, for every culture, uh, for all phases. Yeah, I'm a, um, so I'm going to dive into that. I'm going to go ahead and order the book and then I'm going to watch the documentary after. Okay. All right. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that too next time. Okay. Yeah, that's perfect. All right. So we definitely will do that. Yes. All right. Well, we will see y'all in a month. Stay home. Yes. Y'all please stay safe. No matter what your damn governor say, what your mama say, what did the mayor say? In Atlanta, she <laughs> said stay your black ass home. Okay. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what I have seen before we go, my friend, like she shared this article and it was like, um, you know, even with, you know, everything opening back up, uh, numbers are declining and she didn't read the article. She just saw the headline. 
And somebody else is like, well, girl, did you read this? Because (laughs) inside it says it's only declining or the numbers are not increasing because of the limited test and everybody Mm -hmm. is not being tested. And she was like, oh, well, shoot, maybe I should have read it. Yeah, don't spread that because, um, you know, I I have friends that are scientists and they're saying, no, stay your ass home. Okay. (laughs) Yep. So I'm going to roll with that. But we wish you all the best. Good yes, health. Please good spirits. Please make good decisions and good choices. And we'll see you on a month. Bye. Yes. Bye.